Okay, somebody must be getting tempted. How many have been tempted yet this year? I want to ask again. Yet this week? All right, the rest of you, lion, get on down here for an altar call, because everybody's tempted. But I want to talk today about your cue to flee temptation. See, uh, let's, well, let me just pull some verses up here. Let's put them up there, and um, let's take a look at three different passages. And I want you to notice the word flee being used in every one of them. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee, I'm getting echo, TJ, real strong up here, thank you. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now there you've got New Testament teaching, 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee. Now let's look at another one. 2 Timothy 2.22, there's the word again, flee. From what? From anything that stimulates youthful lust. Just because there's snow on the rooftop doesn't mean there's not a fire in the chimney. Some of you will get that next week and write me and tell me. I finally got that. Now watch. Instead, instead, pursue righteous living. Is he talking to believers there? Pursue what kind of living? Righteous living. And then he says uh, faithfulness, love, and peace. Those are what we Christians are to be pursuing. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Don't run with people who don't. Now, here's a real-life story from Genesis and Joseph. Joseph, as you know, was uh, bought by Potiphar off the slave block, and he was bought to be a slave. But Joseph was good-looking. He was an attractive man, and Potiphar's wife was not loyal. And I want you to look at what happened. One day, he was in the house, and she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and did what? Fled. And did what? Ran outside. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be wise concerning things that are righteous and babes when it comes to evil. Lord, help us to learn to tackle and handle and navigate the tempestuous seas of temptation. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell them, I think this is going to be good, but grab your toes. Now, um, this is, I'm so thankful that the Word of God addresses right where we live. It talks to us where we live. It's not a pie-in-the-sky book. It's very honest. Now, in every one of those passages, we read the word flee. We've been talking about temptation for four weeks now. This is the fifth week. And I hope that you're navigating the seas of temptation more successfully, better than before, because we're all going to be tempted. Temptation comes to every single one of us. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how. But it will come. Now, I want to talk about fleeing because we have been talking about quoting the word, uh, to the enemy when he comes at us with a temptation, uh, hitting him with the, the mighty it is written. But then we got the word flee, and this is another approach to dealing with temptation. The word flee is very strong. It means to run away from something as if in terror. That's what it means. Uh, to escape. 
When Jesus was arrested, for instance, it says that all the disciples left him and fled. They didn't walk away when Jesus was being arrested. They fled. They ran as if for their lives. Same word right here. They fled away when Jesus was being arrested. The Bible says we are to flee in the same way from the presence of temptation. Now there are times when we are called by God to stand our ground in hand-to-hand -hand combat and fight the devil. Quote the word. Stand firm. Stand there and fight. There are times we've got to do that. But there are other times we're called to flee as if our lives depended on it. Now, the primary sin found in Scripture we are to flee from is sexual sin. Most of us are here because of sex. Boy, y'all need to wake up today. I'm trying, I'm trying to lighten up here a little bit. But the command to flee can also include other sins where we have a particular weakness. And I don't need to tell you what your weakness is. You know what it is because you have dealt with it over and over again. Your weakness is well known by you, and guess what? It's also known by the enemy of your soul. Whatever your weakness is, everybody's got one. It may be drinking. He may be speaking to people who have a, a struggle with alcohol or drugs. You came out of the drug culture, and you still get pulled to it, lured to it. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're never going to be tempted to the old things again. No, the enemy will come to you with what he knows was your weakness before, and he will hit, knock on that door again and try to gain entrance in your life. It may be drinking drugs, some other kind of destructive sin, but it's where you have a particular weakness. Now listen carefully. Whatever it may be, I'm going to tell you when you flee. We should flee when to linger too long weakens our resolve and greatly increases the chances we will give in. Now I'm going to say that again because I don't want to see any of you fall in temptation. I know that the more you love God, the more the enemy wants to take you out. The stronger the call on your life, the bigger the bullseye on your chest. And the enemy wants to take you out. So let's get wise about the enemy. Listen, let me read it again now. We should flee when to linger too long, or to linger at all, weakens our resolve and greatly increases the chances we're going to give in. I like what Martin Luther said. He said, don't sit near the fire if your head is made of butter. That's very, very wise. The closer you get to the fire, the hotter the fire feels to us. Have you ever noticed that? Even though the fire remains at the same temperature, the heat affects us according to our nearness to it. You can get close enough to a fire for it to warm you or close enough for it to burn you. So again, don't sit near the fire if your head's made of butter. Don't get near something that you're weak in. Now here's a temptation fact. It is hard to pick forbidden fruit if you're 100 yards away. But it's easy if you're at an arm's length. Some of you need to ask yourself, why am I so close to what is tempting me? Why am I not further away and being wiser with it? Do you know that 80% of victory over temptation is to avoid the scene of temptation? 
I'm going to say that again. 80% of victory over temptation is avoiding the scene of temptation. You see that little girl up there on that screen? We've seen it every week, but there you go. 80% of victory over temptation is to get 100 yards away from that cookie jar. <clears throat> She's too close for her own good. One day a couple of boys tried to walk through a corral when a bull saw them and began to charge. One of the boys said, well, let's stop and pray. The other boy said, no, let's run and pray. Which one do you think got out alive? They didn't need to resist the bull inside of the corral. They needed to run out of the area where they were vulnerable, get away from it. And that's what you've got to do with temptation. There is a very, very wise saying, know thyself. Above all things, know thyself. Know what you can handle. Know what you cannot handle. Know what your weaknesses are. Know what they're not. And deal with it. Be honest with yourself. Don't get like that picture where she's sitting one foot from the cookie jar going, well, should I or should I not? Know thyself. Know what you can handle. Know what you can get near and what you cannot get near. I encourage you to have a talk with yourself. Sit down today after you leave church and have a little talk with yourself and say, what can I get close to and handle it? And what can I not get near and not handle it? What can I, what do I need to avoid and get way, way far away from? That's 80% of your victory. Now, since Paul aimed his warning at those who were experiencing sexual temptation, let me focus on that first today. And I'm going to be a little delicate. This is going to be a little bit of a delicate topic, but hey, it's where we live. And if the pulpit doesn't tell you about it, the world will. And I want you to learn from the Word of God. Now, it's here where the enemy in sexual temptation is particularly crafty. Listen carefully. He knows it's much harder to take a child of God down in a blatant, obvious temptation to sexual sin. Because you know the Word of God. And you know what's right or wrong. So he knows that his chances are low, that he's going to take you down in an obvious, blatant temptation. So then what does he do? Well, the enemy then attempts to do it incrementally, step by step, little bit by little bit. See, people, Christians are taken down in little bits. Christians are taken down incrementally. The road to hell is paved with good intentions and little compromises, little steps, little compromise here, little compromise there, little uh, loosening up of our convictions here, little letting things slide there, step by step, incrementally, the enemy of our soul chisels away on our resolve, on our morals, on our values, on our strength, until one day you look around and you go, I can't believe I am where I am and I'm doing what I'm doing. Now let me give you an example. He does this by tempting the child of God through the gateway of emotions, such as through a friendship or a working relationship or mutual interest that can produce a natural affinity between two people. I mean, we say to ourselves, or the enemy says to us, there's nothing wrong with a friendship, right? Nothing wrong with a friendship. Or there's nothing wrong with just talking, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. Let me share with you today some warning signs that are your cue to flee 
before you're too close to the flame to turn back. And I'll tell you what, I know when this goes over radio, I'm going to get all kinds of calls and orders. And I know that I'm talking right where people live. And watch the CDs fly today. Because everybody knows somebody dealing with this as you sit where you sit right now. So here's your cue to flee. First, if you're married, listen up. How many in here are married? All right, listen up. The rest of you will probably be married someday. Listen up anyway. Here's some cues that you need to flee. And I'm going to show you how the enemy works. First, when you find yourself thinking about how much you enjoy being with that person, that friend, or that coworker, or that ministry partner, or that counselee, you're all of a sudden aware that you kind of enjoy being around them. Now let me, let me just pop a bubble today. Just because you like being around them does not mean you're getting the kind of sign that God would give you. And just because you like being around them doesn't mean you have finally found your soulmate. You've already got your soulmate. Let me tell you who he is. His name is Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. He's your soulmate. See, we're li we live in such an emotional age, emotionally charged and feeling driven, that we believe if we feel it, then God must be in it. But can I tell you that you can feel it and God not be anywhere in it? Don't let your emotions guide you. Let the Word of God always first and foremost and ultimately and consummately be your guide. Cue number two, that it's time to flee when you look forward to spending more time with this person. And you make sure you look especially nice when you know you're going to see them. All of a sudden, you have found a friend or a coworker or someone that you really like being around, and now all of a sudden, you're hitting the gym. You're pulling that dusty treadmill out of the closet. You're dropping that weight. You're toning up. You're slimming down. You're paying special attention to how you look for them. The Bible says, lady, you better flee. Man, you better flee. As a matter of fact, if you find yourself doing that, try this. Get ugly. <laughs> when you know you're going to be around this person, if you can't get away from them, they're at your job or whatever, I mean, don't put on the right makeup. Let your hair look ragged. Get ugly. Scare them away. But don't, don't, don't start looking good for someone that God can't Bless. Is anybody hearing me today? <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm sharing with you the precursors to a problem. I'm trying to get us to be preemptive because I'm going to tell you about temptation. You beat temptation at the beginning way better than you beat it at the end. You defeat temptation when you recognize the initial warning signs that you're beginning to be tempted and you stop it there. You kill it there. You nip it in the bud there. You don't let it go so long that you're so far in you can't get out. That every single day that goes by, you're weakening. Every single day that goes by, the chances are higher and higher that you're going to be in trouble. So I'm sharing with you the initial signs that the enemy is in the shadows working on you. Cue number three. If you're beginning to fantasize about being with this person in ways that would be wrong in real life. Now the enemy has worked into your fantasy life. Listen carefully. Thinking it 
will precede doing it. Dreaming it precedes acting on it. So, Pastor, there's nothing wrong with me just thinking about it or imagining things. Yes, there is, because you know what? Uh, uh, everything, for instance, take this building. This building three years ago was a warehouse. But God gave us a dream, and we saw what we wanted. And once we saw what we wanted and conceptualized what we wanted, then the reality followed. Your imagination is very, very powerful. The Bible says that you ought to pull down strongholds and everything that exalts itself against the will and purposes of God. And what is a stronghold? It's in your mind. A stronghold is whatever holds you strong. And if you begin to fantasize, to dream about, to mull on, to meditate on, being with someone in a way that would be wrong in reality, can I tell you today, reality is coming if you don't pull that down. The Bible says that's your cue to flee. Now here's a fourth cue. <clears throat> when you become secretive about your interaction with your friend, because people like your spouse might misunderstand your friendship. Oh yeah, if your spouse wouldn't understand it, chances are God doesn't understand it either. So if you're having to start to be secretive, and I'm going to talk about secrecy in just a minute, a little bit more. But if you're having to be secretive, you can pretty much mark it down, something is wrong with it. Something is amiss. If you're having to make it secret, if you're having to hide it, then something is going on that should not be going on. Now here's a fifth cue. If you begin receiving cards, emails, or presents from this person that you would not want your spouse to see. Friend, if somebody starts sending you a card or an email, listen, how many people are brought down these days in the internet age? How many are brought down through Facebook, through some other book on the internet, through some other means of communication? And you get emails, you begin to uh, exchange emails, and at first it's light and happy and innocent, but all things that the enemy begins look that way. He will not get away with making it look bad at the beginning. Remember, I've shared with you week after week, he is a master disguiser. He is a deceiver. He always approaches you and I with what looks reasonable and right and innocent and common sense and even an answer to your need. But if it transgresses the Word of God, you should not go anywhere near it. And I'm telling you how He works. So you begin communicating with somebody through some medium, and at first it seems innocent, but it won't stay that way. So you've got to be very, 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 very wise, friend. You've got to be wise in this day of temptation. Let me give you a fact. The greatest safety net you've got is your spouse. If there's something going on you can't share with your spouse, it doesn't need to be going on at all. Keep no secrets from your spouse. If you think you've got something to hide, guess what? You've probably got something to hide. So if you're experiencing a temptation, maybe you need to tell your spouse about it. You need to take them aside and say, Honey, would you pray with me? I'm experiencing a temptation. 
I'm experiencing a drawing or a luring or a pulling towards something that I shouldn't be going towards, and I need prayer. And, and, and again, I'm going to talk about this more in a moment, but how powerful that is. You say, if I do that, Pastor, I'm going to have a frying pan around my head. Listen to me. Get it out now. Deal with it now. You might be surprised the way your spouse responds. I'm going to say it again. Deal with it at the very beginning, at the first flutter of a temptation at the first suggestion, at the initial prompting of the Holy Spirit, deal with it. If you don't, you may get deceived. You may get lured. You may get brought down. You may come into a situation where you go farther than you thought you would, and you stay longer than you thought you should. Another cue to flee is when you find yourself comparing your spouse, comparing your spouse in an unfavorable way to your new friend. Oh, watch out for that. Listen, let me tell you something. Your new friend, whoever they are, if they're out there, is putting on his or her best face, literally and figuratively, around you. You have not seen her, sir, without makeup early in the morning. And lady, you haven't seen him on a Saturday morning when he doesn't care anymore about sucking in his gut to impress you. You're seeing them put on their best face around you you don't know the whole truth. I'm going to say that again. You don't know the whole truth. The story is told of a man who fell in love with an opera singer. But he fell in love with her voice without really getting to know her. What a voice she had. All he knew was that she had a voice like a bird that he could listen to, he thought, the rest of his day. So he began to court her. They went into a whirlwind marriage and they began their honeymoon. At the hotel, she disappeared into the bathroom where she removed her false eyelashes, her wig, her false teeth, her makeup, and her prosthetic leg. She reappeared at the bathroom door and asked, What do you think? He took one look and cried, Sing, woman, sing! He didn't know what he was getting in for. Let me tell you something. Whoever the new friend is, if there is one, and there may be one, we live in an extremely corrupting, seductive day. Be very wise. Know thyself. Watch for the signals. Now here's another final cue. If you start confiding in your friend about your marital problems, this is a trap. Never confide in a member of the opposite sex. Never confide in them about your marital problems. Never share your struggles with anyone to whom you could be tempted. Number one, it's none of their business. And you're only inviting disaster if you do it. Because if you, sir, are sharing with a woman, she's empathetic. She's going to be empathetic towards you and lured into your issue. And lady, if you're sharing with a man, he's going to be tempted knowing you're not happy. Be smart. Be wise. Because your adversary, the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may eat alive. And he's crafty, he's sly, he's subtle, he's strategic with believers. With the unbelievers, it doesn't take much at all. They're already living in sin, shaped by iniquity, going through the motions of darkness. But you, a child of light, a child of God, he's got to be more crafty, more subtle. 
And this is how he does it. He deceives you up front. He never shows his full hand. He lures you in through what looks innocent and harmless. He knows that's the only way he's going to get you. Now let me go back to the issue of keeping secrets, whether you're single or married. Let me talk to you about keeping secrets. Anytime you feel you've got to keep something secret is a sure sign that sin is crouching at the door. And I'm going to say that again because I want you to catch this. If you feel like you've got to keep something secret from other believers, from your spouse, or if you're single, just from your friends and maybe your parents who are believers, if you, need, if you feel like you've got to keep something secret that you can't share with others, then sin is probably crouching at your door. If you feel you've got to keep it secret, it's probably something you shouldn't be keeping at all. For instance, I'm going to tell you the truth today before God. By God's grace, there is nothing in my life that I would feel the need to hide from any one of you today. Not from a Christian friend, not from my spouse, not from you, this church. There's not anything. You know why? I know that Satan operates in darkness. He operates in the shadows of a secret. And here's the way it happens. Our enemy will do his best to convince you that your secret is too terrible to tell anybody about. If I tell somebody about this that's going on in my life, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be ostracized. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be judged. Somebody's going to say to me something that's hurtful or harmful. I'm going to, I'm going to be criticized. Or they won't understand. Or I'll look like a freak. Or they won't believe that this is really me talking and my reputation will be damaged. And oh, how we try to protect that golden calf of our reputation. Let me tell you something about your reputation. You really don't have one. People aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are anyway. You're not that important. And guess what? I've seen that people who have pride about their reputations eventually have those reputations burst. Because here's your reputation. You are a redeemed child of God, saved by the blood of the Lamb, raised from the spiritual dead. You are a lover and a follower of Jesus Christ. And the only reputation you and I need to worry about is what He thinks about us, and that's it. See, I play for an audience of one. I don't play for an audience of thousands. I care about one opinion above all others, and it is vertical. It is His. And I play for an audience of one. I live for an audience of one. I perform for an audience of one. And it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and what He thinks. But I know that the enemy works this way. He works on your pride. He uses shame. He uses embarrassment. And he says, if you tell anybody about this, your reputation is over, you're dead, you're out of the church, all kinds of threats he threatens you with. He wants to lock you in a secret prison cell through shame, fear, and pride. I know the devil. I know how he operates. Now I'm going to tell you what the remedy is for the temptation you're experiencing. You've got a temptation knocking away on the door of your life, chiseling away at your resolve, inching its way into your soul. If you don't, you will. How do you handle it? How do you? What is the remedy for dealing with temptation and breaking its spell? 
First of all, here it is. I want you to say this with me. Get it out. Well, that's about two of you. Let's try it again. Get it out. Here's how you deal with temptation. Get it out. If you're experiencing sexual attraction to somebody, listen carefully to the preacher today. Or you're experiencing some other kind of temptation for more than a few days. I didn't say a few years or months. I said more than a few days. If you're single or you're married, go to your spouse or someone you can trust in the body of Christ and get it out. Remember, darkness is overcome by light. So bring the secret sin out into the light of day. Get it out. Tell somebody. Second thing you do after getting it out, you got to pray it up. Can you say that with me? Pray it up. Try it again. Pray it up. After you get it out, you got to pray it up. Listen to what the Bible says in James 5, 16. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults. That's getting it out. Confess to one another... The other Christian brethren, don't go confessing to somebody of the opposite sex. <clears throat> Confess it to a safe Christian brother or sister. Get it out. Confess your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, says the Amplified Bible. And then pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. Did you hear that? Healed and restored. What a powerful passage. So I find somebody who is safe. If I'm dealing with something that's bigger than me and I'm not getting victory over it, I go get it out. I find somebody and I get it out. I do not allow the enemy to put me in that cell of shame and fear and pride, but I get it out. I humble myself and I get it out. I confess my faults to somebody. And then I have them pray with me and pray for me. And the Bible says when that happens, something begins to happen to me. I begin to get healed. I begin to get restored to my right state of mind. It's no longer in the dark. It's in the light. Somebody else knows about it, and the devil hates that. And after you've gotten it out, and after you've prayed it up, listen, lock the door. Lock the door on temptation. You say, how do I do that? Here's how, by being accountable to other people. Being accountable with somebody else. Can you imagine what it would be like if when you were tempted, you had somebody you could call and just say, brother, sister, uh, it's hitting me again. I'm being tempted to that alcohol again, tempted to those drugs again, tempted to that pornography again, tempted to whatever it is. I'm being tempted again. And would you pray for me? The minute you do that, the minute you make that call, the minute they answer the phone, 90% of it is defeated on the spot. Did y'all hear me today? You know, we can't live lone rangers in the body of Christ anymore. The battle is too intense. We've got to one another, one another. Rick Warren wrote the following words about accountability. Quote, he said, If you're losing the battle against a persistent bad habit or an addiction or a temptation and you're stuck in a repeating cycle of this, here it is, good intention, failure, guilt, good intention, failure, guilt, good intention, failure, guilt, and you're living this way, just like this, endlessly. This is your life. Good intention, failure, guilt, back to good intention, failure. And finally, you go to the God with your failure again, and here's what starts going through your mind. Well, he doesn't want to hear from me again. 
It's me again, Lord. And yes, it's the very same thing. I know you don't want to hear this. And the enemy starts telling you he won't even forgive you anymore because you keep failing, good intention, failure, guilt. Warren says, if that's the cycle you're in, you're not going to get better on your own. You need the help of other people. So how do you do it? You find a safe brother, a safe sister, a safe spouse, a safe counselor. And you say, would you pray with me? Can I be accountable to you? Would you mind if I called you in the midnight hour at any time, day or night, and said, it's hitting me again? I'm in my car. I'm on the road. I'm headed where I shouldn't go to do something I shouldn't do. Would you pray with me? I'm sitting in front of a liquor store and I'm so tempted to go in. Would you pray with me? Or I'm about to go out with some friends and I know what they're going to have with them. Would you pray with me that I would not go? And you'd be amazed that 95% of that temptation is shattered and broken on the spot. And then you got somebody on the other end of the line going, Jesus, we pray right now. Help Jeff. Help Jeff to not go there, to do that, to, uh, to uh, whatever. And I'm agreeing with him in prayer. And the minute that you do that, listen, it'd be a miracle if you ended up going where you were going to go or doing what you were going to do. Because now the power of God's been released on your situation. And eventually that cycle of good intention, failure, guilt is broken. And you find that you're steady Eddie walking with God, walking in the Spirit, and that area of your life has been defeated. And now you are free. Some temptations are only overcome with the help of a partner who prays, encourages you, and holds you accountable. So that means they can call you at any time they want and say, well, tell me how you're doing with that situation. How are you doing with that temptation? How are you doing with that weakness? And you tell them. So, well, Pastor Jeff, I just don't want to do that. That's too humbling. Yes, but the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. You want to be free today from temptation? You want to break the power of temptation? That spell that the enemy is trying to work over your mind? That lure, that bait that's going across your eyes? You want to break it? I've shared some things today that will help you to do so. Can you stand with me now? Can you say with me, be smart. Be wise. Know thyself. Avoid the scene of temptation. I'm going to ask that every head be bowed in prayer. And every eye closed for a moment. You know, I love you. I love you in the Lord. I pray for you. I pray for you that God will keep you. I, I hold you up to Him. I pray the Word of God over your life. And I, I'm not patting myself on the back. I want you to know that I'm a pastor. And I watch over the sheep. And what I have done today is I've shined the light on wolves. And I've shined the light on little termites that work their way into your soul and eventually bring down the whole house. We've got to be smart at the very beginning. So I want to pray for you today. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I needed this today on one level or another. I needed this. Let me see your hands. Amen. 
And I want to pray that God helps you, strengthens you. Father, I just lift up this precious people today. Lord, I know that the enemy, the wolf, is always walking around us, circling, looking for a way in. And Lord, I pray the Word of God will be the protector over everyone in this house. And whatever the temptation is, you'll shine your light on it and help us to be wise, to get out quick, to move quickly, to be preemptive, to be prepared before the situation ever arrives so that, Lord, we are not taken in and taken down by the craftiness of our enemy. Now, I want you to breathe a prayer, would you, today? Just say, Lord, today I receive this word. Give me wisdom to be strong so that I can be a strength to other people. I give you what I'm tempted towards. Help me to defeat it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, would you, today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.